Hello, and welcome back to Wicked Wednesdays. We took a couple weeks off, was doing quite a bit of traveling during that time. As you know, last week we came to you from an undisclosed location somewhere on the beautiful Florida Gulf Coast. It was lovely. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, long drive from where I live. I live on the East Coast, a bit further north. So I left one beach to go to another, but it was worth the, uh, worth the trip. We have had a very busy few weeks at the studio. We had a number of videos featured, which is always wonderful. And we had a couple videos taken down. And that's been kind of a, a difficult thing for us lately. Um, we do make very rough videos. But we make consensually rough videos. So it was surprising to me when the videos disappeared. We have had issues in the past. So our videos have been taken down because people will report them. And when Pornhub apparently receives enough reports on a video, they'll check it out and take it down. Unfortunately, they have a very shoot first, ask questions later mentality on that. And they'll take the video down and then they'll notify you. And then it's kind of up to you to talk to Pornhub and see if you can get the video reinstated. So in the past, yeah, we've had a number of videos taken down. Um, we write Pornhub, we say, hey, what's the deal? Sometimes they want us to re-verify the model, which we can do. In this case, they're like, nope, you cannot have that video up. And the reason they gave was that it was too rough and that it had elements of non-consent in it. Which I understand that is what we do. That's the kind of videos we make. However, especially recently, we've been going above and beyond the call of duty to ensure that our audience knows these videos are consensual. We've been putting a disclaimer ahead of the video. And more frequently now, we're putting an after interview with the model so that the model can tell you all, it's okay, I consented to this, I wanted to do this, no big deal. And we weren't doing that as a CYA move. Um, we weren't doing that for Pornhub's sake. We were doing that because we felt we had a responsibility in the BDSM and kink world to make it clear that these rough videos that we make are consensual, that it's okay, that two consenting adults can have this kind of rough intercourse and it's not a big deal. It's fine as long as everyone consents. And we film it and we put it online because that's what we do. So the videos that were taken down had the warning and both videos had a long interview with Ruby afterwards saying, you know, letting her talk to the camera and say that everything's okay. So at this point, they're still down. We did write Pornhub we said, you know, what gives, you know, our videos are far and away, not the roughest thing you can find on Pornhub. There's some really rough stuff. There's stuff that I question the consent on that I think is a little shady but it's still up. You know, I'm, I'm not naive. I know what happened is that the video in question was very popular. It had, I think, 4 million views at the time. It had been featured on the front page of Pornhub. And what happens with us is when we upload a video, the people who are searching for that content love it because that's, you know, we cater to a particular niche. And so when they see it, you know, they're like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Thank you very much. Five stars, you know, thumbs up. And eventually the video gets enough traction that it triggers the featuring algorithm. And then it goes to the front page. And what happens on the front page is a lot of people who aren't necessarily searching for the kind of rough porn that we make see it. And they're like, oh, no, this is not good. We don't like this. What's wrong with these people? And they will click the report icon. Not bothering to check that it's consensual, not bothering to check our page where you can see, you know, vlogs like this where I talk about consent, not bothering to watch the whole video where the model says, hey, this is okay. Not bothering to see that, hey, this same model has made a number of rough videos with this studio she's probably okay with it. She's probably into it. No, they don't like it. They click report. Pornhub gets enough reports and they pull our video down. 
so yeah, it's frustrating. It's, it's really frustrating right now because those views are gone. Those views go away. And we lost about 3 million views, 4 million views, which is a considerable chunk of our monthly views. So yeah, I'm talking to Pornhub. They have not gotten back to me yet. I'm hoping that we can reach some sort of understanding where they can tell us what is allowed exactly, what we can and can't have in our videos exactly, what we need to do to ensure that people will see immediately that this is a scene, that it is consenting, that it's okay. At this point, I don't know. Um, a lot of our videos are exactly the same kind of thing. And many of our videos are more rough, are more violent than the videos that got taken down. They just weren't as popular. So we're in kind of a bind. We're going to keep making videos. We're going to keep doing our stuff. I would really find it unfortunate if we had to go to a different platform. You know, if we had to move to one of the less reputable, less mainstream sites to do our work, because Pornhub's getting cold feet on this, even though we have been very responsible with our consent and very responsible with the kind of videos we make, making sure that we make it clear that it's consensual. So we will do what we can. In the meantime, um, Ruby had a number of other videos featured, which is really nice. She is our first model that's getting non-rough sex, non-hard you know, hard videos featured, and that's really cool. I've always wanted to do more than just the hard videos that we make. So it's encouraging to me that we're getting some traction with our non-rough videos. Other news in Wicked Ways Studios. Um, I've been traveling a lot, which is why I've been, you know, I missed a couple weeks of the podcast. I know that we're all in Corona lockdown, um, but my work means I have to travel. I travel around the country to meet with models. I travel to work with different environments and so for the last two weeks i've been on the road a good chunk of it including this week i'm actually obviously i'm not at home i'm filming from one of our models places we are shooting this week cheers we'll have some more videos we'll be very careful about what we put in the videos though trying to stay safe during corona lockdown traveling is difficult when you're on the road you're in a steel box and you're traveling from point to point there's not a whole lot of danger there. Of course, anytime you get out of your vehicle, you have to stop at a gas station. You have to take the standard precautions, face mask, wash hands, all that. And I have to say that, you know, there's a good amount of me that is developing a low-grade hypochondria because I walk into a gas station and I don't want to touch anything. I don't want to be close to anybody. I don't want to have any interaction where I'm touching something I don't know is clean. And that's, you know, that's the reality we live in right now. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get the people that I care about sick. So I am taking as many precautions as I can. At the same time, I have to travel. I have to move around. So we are, you know, we're doing all right. We're having a good time. We're staying safe as much as we possibly can. I don't feel like we're having that much more exposure. You know, I, I run into more people in a Walmart or a grocery store than I saw traveling from the East Coast to the central part of the country where I am now, you know. But I am taking it seriously and I am trying to stay safe. Last week we talked a bit about, you know, how do you produce your first videos on a shoestring budget? You know, all you've got is a camera. All you have is, you know, a phone. You don't even have a, a video camera. You're just shooting on your phone. And I got a lot of good feedback from that podcast. A lot of people saying, you know, these are great tips. I want to use them in my videos. And that's great. That's what we're here for. There's been a huge uptick in people uploading to Pornhub during this time. And I understand why. A lot of people are out of work. A lot of people are thinking, oh, I can make some money on the side. You know, I'm comfortable with my body. I'm comfortable being on camera. Let's give this porn thing a try. And that's great. I would like it if more people did it so it became more mainstream, more acceptable, more understood. You know, sexuality is a good thing. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing dirty or shameful about sexuality. We have this strange quasi-puritanical culture that has made anything remotely sexual taboo. Yet violence is fine. You can see violence on any TV show. But sexuality, 
that's taboo. I've never understood that. I don't agree with it. I think that it can be very harmful. I think that a lot of people have, you know, serious hangups about themselves, their body, their sexuality based on our very repressive culture. So it doesn't bother me at all that people are saying, hey, let's do this thing. Let's get out there and try it. I'm going to speak to some of the questions I get, you know, in my daily life, but also that are sent to me, which is when people find out what I do for a living, it's always kind of a negotiated conversation. You know, as soon as they find out, oh, hey, what do you do? I'm a filmmaker. Oh, what kind of films do you make? I I make the adult kind of films. When I have those conversations, you know, I can tell people want to know everything. They're fascinated by it. They want to know every detail I can give them. And I'm, I'm comfortable talking about it. It's something that once we decided to do this, it was, you know, no going back. Once you put it out there, it's there. So, you know, as soon as we decided to show our face, as soon as we decided to do this pretty much full time, I knew what I was buying into. I knew what I was getting into. So, you know, one of the questions I get a lot, aren't you afraid that your friends and family are going to find out that you make porn? Well, no, I'm not. Um, now, personally, I don't have a lot of family. I don't have a lot of close relatives or anybody that I interact with. However, if I did, that wouldn't be an impediment to me. I don't think that you should live your life based on what your family wants you to do. All right. Like you always have to do the reverse. Like, would you care if you found out that one of your family members did porn? For a lot of people, that answer is yes. For a lot of people, I would ask them, what's your problem with it? Why does it bother you what they do with themselves and their body and their privacy? You know, it's none of your business. So think about your reaction. If your initial reaction is, oh, well, I would really hate it if I found out that my sister was doing porn. No, man, that's not your business. You need to be supportive or you need to be silent. It's not up to you to tell someone that you love and care about how to live their life. That's not your job. I'm not saying you have to support it. You know, if, if you have a fundamental disagreement with it, that's fine. It's not for you. You don't like it. You don't want to do it. That's cool. But it's not your place to tell somebody else you shouldn't do this either. That's wrong. I, I will never support that attitude. So yeah, even if I did have a close family member... It wouldn't stop me from doing this. You know, friends, I'm judicious about it. I really am. I don't tell everybody. It's not on my Facebook profile. Um, I do have a limited distribution list. You know, people that I know will be cool with it. People that I know are actually interested in it. Because that's the other, that's the other side of it. The flip side is not everybody wants to know what you do for a living if what you do for a living is making porn. And I get that. So I treat it a lot like religion or anything else where if the person you're talking to is cool with it and interested in it and wants to know about it, sure, share, tell them whatever they want to know, but don't force it on somebody. You know, I'm not going to make somebody uncomfortable if I can tell that them knowing that I make porn or talking about porn or anything like that would make them uncomfortable. I just don't talk to them about it. It's, it doesn't harm me to not tell them. So I do have a list on my Facebook group of people that I'm comfortable with that I know wouldn't mind hearing about it, knowing about it, seeing it, etc. But it's a small list. So if I have, you know, a thousand friends on Facebook, there's maybe 150 people on that list who I'm comfortable with knowing that they'd be cool with it. They've either expressed it directly to me or they're people that I know well enough to know that they're not going to care if I do updates like, hey, this is what's going on with my studio, etc. But no, I don't put a lot of stuff out in the general public because, you know, there's a lot of stigma involved, first of all. Any kind of sex work, whether it's pornography, you know, being an escort or anything like that, there's a strong stigma and people will happily judge you based on that. They'll happily look down on you, etc. The fact that we live in a very misogynistic culture does not help. Because when people find out that I'm a porn actor, they're like, yeah, man, that's great. Really cool. You're, you know, that's a really great, that's a dream job, man. But when they find out that one of my partners, one of my female partners is a porn star, 
that's when the judgments come out. That's when like, oh, I don't know. Should you be doing that? Is that a good idea? You know, is that safe? Is that something you should do? It's a very patronizing and paternalistic viewpoint that, you know, just like sluts and studs, it's cool if I'm a porn actor, but for a woman to do it, oh, that's degrading. That's bad. That's terrible. Obviously, I don't believe in that. Obviously, I don't think that's valid in any way. But it is a fact. It is a fact of our culture that I can't change single-handedly. That I get a good response and most of my partners don't. So they're much more reticent to share that. That's why we blur faces. That's why we keep identities secret, etc. You know, they have to deal with a lot more judgment and a lot more stigma than I do. So I know it's very easy for me to be cool with it and not worry about, you know, what if your friends find out? I don't care. I, you know, even the people that I wouldn't voluntarily share with, because I think it might make them uncomfortable. If they find out, they find out. I'm not worried about it. I'm all over the internet now. You know, we had a really good month. We made it past the top 100 for the first time. So our channel is number 80 right now out of like 97,000 channels on Pornhub, we're number 80. So a lot of people have seen our stuff. We just broke our 100 million view mark. We have, you know, just broke our 50,000 subscriber mark. It's getting to the point now where the toothpaste is out of the tube. You know, genie's out of the bottle. There's no going back on what we've already put out there. Even if I shut down the channel today, hundreds and thousands of people have downloaded our stuff. So it's out there. It will always be out there. And I'm comfortable with that. I'm, I'm completely fine with it. This is what I've chosen to do. This has been very rewarding for me. But I did make that choice. So when people come to me and they ask, you know, what if my friends and family find out? If that is a concern of yours, if that is something that would negatively affect your life, if someone found out about it, don't, right? Just don't do it. Because if it's going to bother you, if it's going to keep you up at night, what if my family finds out? What if my friends find out? Don't do it. Because there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of unnecessary bad feeling that you're going to have to deal with every day. If you're constantly worried about, you know, what if my boss finds out? What if my friends find out? What if my mom finds out, etc.? So consider that very carefully, you know, if you're getting into this. Be comfortable with it, go with it, say, this is what I'm going to do, and own it. Awesome. But if you are hesitant and you are reticent about it, don't. And that's, that's pretty simple. Another question that I get asked all the time is, you know, can I make money doing this? Yeah, you can. You can make a lot of money. There are people on Pornhub at the very top that are literally making millions of dollars on Pornhub which is a lot of money. Now, granted, there's very few of those, just like in society. But beneath that, you know, making millions of dollars doing this on Pornhub, there's a good chunk of the Pornhub amateur models that are making enough from their videos that they don't have to have a day job. Whether that's from free views, uh, subscriptions, selling individual videos, you know, view share, all the ways that we earn income on Pornhub, you can make a living at it. Is it easy? No, it's not easy money. It's not quick. It's not easy. There is no shortcut to it. You know, we started very small, just a couple videos. And gradually over years, we built a subscriber base. We learned more what we were doing. We learned how to cater to our niche. We learned how to give our fans what they wanted to see and more of it. And over time, with a good dose of luck, we built something that, you know, right now it is my full-time job. It's what I do. But that's just recently. Up until then, I was still doing part-time work, still trying to make ends meet. And even now, you know, it's not exactly like I'm rolling in dough, but I'm making enough. And I profit share with my models. So the, the money that I make gets distributed out to all the people in my videos. You know, is it enough for all of us to live on? No, it's not. And 
depending on how well a model's videos are doing, will depend on how much income they're getting from that video. You know, right now Ruby is really hot and Ruby's videos are selling very well and they're getting lots and lots of views. So she's getting a sizable, you know, alternative income from those videos that's built on our channel. If she had just started from scratch, if she had just put her own videos up on her own channel, it's rolling the dice as to whether or not she would have gotten a lot of views. You know, every time we put a video up, it gets immediately within a couple hours, 10, 20, 30,000 views. And sometimes that will catapult it up into the featured section. When we first started getting a couple hundred views was good. Can you make money out of it? Yeah. Um, don't quit your day job until that money comes in because it can take a long time. You know, the stuff that we do very niche oriented, it took us a while to build. You might get more lucky if you're more mainstream. It's much more crowded in the mainstream section. So the people that are trying to make ends meet by making porn, I salute you and I encourage you and I'll do anything I can to help you. But just know that if you need money this week, it's not going to come from Pornhub. You have to, you have to build that snowman, get it rolling down the hill so that it continues to build and gets bigger. And eventually it can be enough to live off of. Yeah. Another question from our mailbag that I get all the time is how do you find models? So that is, it's really interesting right now because finding models to work with has always been the most difficult thing that I do mainly because of the type of videos that we make. That's a big part of it. But also, you know, not everybody wants to do this. It's a rather daunting proposition to put yourself out there like that. As I spoke to earlier, I get a lot of interest. So when people say, how do you find your models right now? They find me, um, having a very popular channel on Pornhub means that people contact me almost every day saying that they want to work with me. The problem is, is that very few people follow through on that. So I might have several hundred people offer to work with me or express interest in working with me. The number of people who actually follow through and are willing to shoot are available. Don't live in Alaska or, you know, Paraguay. It gets smaller and smaller and smaller. You know, all of my current models reached out to me and I'm still, I'm always working with new people, bringing them along in the pipeline. I have to treat every offer as though it's serious because it's impossible for me to tell if someone's seriously interested in being a model or if this is kind of wish fulfillment, um, fantasy for them to write and say, Hey, I want to be one of your models. How do I do that? I encourage that. I'm always looking for models, but again, what happens is I talk to somebody, we exchange some pictures, we talk about meeting, we talk about time and distance and location. And then I say, okay, great. You know, next month I have a time slot. How about the 15th? And when it goes from being something hypothetical to being something, oh, this is for real. Most of the time models don't follow through on that. And I understand it is daunting, but as far as finding models, you know, how you would go about it, it's difficult. I know that, you know, back in the day they would advertise in, you know, Craigslist or the local newspaper or whatever models wanted. And I know a lot of people found their way into the industry that way. These days, not so much. I don't know where I would go looking for a model. You know, there's, I can't think of any really reputable, safe places to advertise for that type of, of work. If you happen to know where to find models, let me know and then we'll, we'll talk. But yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy to find models. Most people on Pornhub are working with their partner, their romantic partner, someone that they know and have a relationship with. I'd say, you know, the bulk of videos on Pornhub are people who are in relationships with each other. I'm in a relationship with everybody that I work with. Ruby's a good example where she's someone that reached out to me, wanted to make videos with me and was serious about it. We now have a working friendly relationship where it's not just nine to five. We hang out and enjoy each other's company. I'm perfectly open to working with someone strictly professionally. It just doesn't seem to work that way. I tend to get to know the people I'm working with, make friends with them, and then they become part of my life either as actual partners or in a long-term working relationship like I have with Ruby. 
So yeah, finding models is not easy. Another question that I get asked a lot, and I think I addressed this last week, but I'll address it again. Um, people write and they say, hey, you know, I really like Katja or I really like Ruby or I really like Sadie. How do I schedule time with them? Uh, you don't. My models don't work that way. And I know that some people do have that type of relationship. Some people do, you know, work outside of that, but we don't. So no, there, there's no situation in which I'm going to give someone their information and say, oh yeah, here's their information, contact them so that you can work with them. They're not interested in that. And that's not the kind of studio that we have. And no, no worries, but no, thank you. Along those same lines, um, people write all the time in the comments, you know, what's her full name? No, <laughs> it, it's something that I don't feel like I should have to say, but I'm not going to give out their contact information or their real name or who they are. There's a reason that we use stage names and their stage names are in the video and in the tag and in the comments. It's, it's not a mystery. First of all, you know, Ruby, Katja, Sadie, those are the models. Wicked, they all are part of the Wicked family. But we're a very small studio. You know, it's just us. And so if it's not on our page, it doesn't exist. So it's not like Ruby has a whole career like a professional porn star who, if you look her up like Stoya, who's worked with, you know, a lot of studios and has a lot of content out there. And if you wanted to see everything that she's ever made, yeah, then you could do an internet search for Stoya and you'll see all of her stuff. That's awesome. But we're an amateur studio. So if we don't have it, it doesn't exist. There are no other material available. There is no other way you can reach out to or contact the models outside from what we've put forward. You know, they all have Reddit accounts. You can find them on Reddit. Um, most of them have Twitter accounts. Most of them have Instagram accounts. So that one-on-one -on -one interaction, I do understand that. I do know that it's very exciting. If you write to us at the studio and you say, you know, I really like Katja and I think she's amazing. And I just wanted to tell her that she's beautiful and sexy, etc. She gets that. I send that to her. Um, but I'm not going to give her her phone number out. I'm not giving her name out. I'm not giving her email address out. Don't ask. Like, that's kind of weird. Getting back to the real versus fake question. And this is, it's so strange because of what's happened to us recently where our video got taken down because it was too rough, too real, too believable as a non-consent video. What we do is real. And it's not real at the same time. And here's what I'm saying. The models that I work with are not actors. You know, I'm not telling them, I want you to behave this way. I want you to act this way. I want you to say this thing. What we do is I give them real experiences and they react genuinely to them. That doesn't seem so hard to me. Um, you know, when you're watching a movie and you see the hero get thrown into the water, you don't say, oh, wow, he's doing a really good job of acting like he's being wet. No, he's wet. They threw him into the water. He's not acting. He's swimming and he's wet. So that's what we're doing. You know, when you see one of our videos, don't think, oh, she's doing such a good job of acting like she's in pain. She's not acting. She's in pain. But she's okay with it. It's been agreed upon ahead of time that I can cause her pain in a consensual way and she's going to react to it because that's something that turns her on. And I don't know why that's such a hard concept. I know that a lot of porn is acted. A lot of it is not real in any way. That the models are putting on a show. We don't do that. That's, that's why we make the stuff that we make. Is because I don't like the acted stuff. I don't like the fake responses. I don't like the over-the-top acting that I see in a lot of porn stuff. From the very beginning, our whole goal was to put out genuine stuff. There's nothing fake about what we do. It's all real. You know, if a model says that it hurts, it's because it hurts. That's the whole idea. But she allowed me to do that. Yeah, either, you know, you got one of two choices. 
either my models are the best actresses that have ever acted or it's real. They're really enduring and experiencing what they look like they're enduring and experiencing. And if it's not your thing, that's fine. You know, I get it. Not every type of porn is out there for everybody. But I do assure you, what we do is real. I don't have to fake it. It's not hard to do what we do. You just need to find the right people to do it with. If you find somebody that is into this kink and that enjoys this type of sex, then this is what you see. This is what it is. This is what you get. We do real stuff. Um, real enough that Pornhub took down our video because it looks too real. And, you know, in the comment section, you'll see, oh, this is so fake. This is so stupid. This is so wrong. You know, she's, there's no way it's, she's reacting like that genuinely. You know, no, she really is. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to watch it. You don't have to enjoy it. But I promise you that's real. We, there's, I cannot think of a single thing we've put online where I was like, I want you to act like this hurts. I want you to act scared. I want you to act whatever. Never, not once, not even remotely, because I can see through that. I expect that my audience can see through that. What I'm always continually astounded by is people who don't believe what we do. Like you're seeing it, you are, you're seeing it. That's what it is. And if you can't tell that it's real, I want you to consider a lot of your relationships. And I'm, I'm not trying to be a dick about that. I say that because I know that a lot of people have a hard time judging human emotion, judging other people, judging emotional response. And honestly, that's the only thing I can think of is that when they see one of my models doing what they do and they think it's fake, to me, that means that they're just not good at reading people. They're not good at seeing, oh no, that's not acting, that's real. What great actors, you know, Anthony Hopkins, Judy Dench, amazing actors do is they make you forget that they're acting. They make it so natural and so real and so visceral that when you're watching them, you're not thinking, oh, I'm watching a performance. None of my models are Anthony Hopkins, right? None of my models have acting abilities so amazing that they could act what we're doing. It's real. Watch our videos and tell me that's not real. Or perhaps talk about, you know, getting some counseling about your inability to judge human emotion. Just, just my thought. Speaking of comments, we did have a lot of comments this week. Since this is one of the first videos, um, Ruby's video that got featured this week, it's one of the first videos we've featured that isn't a rough anal vid. And I think people are more comfortable leaving comments on a video like that than they are on some of our rougher videos. We get plenty of comments all the time, but the view to comment ratio on this video is extremely high. We've gotten more comments on this particular video than almost anything else we've ever put out. Some of them have been really funny. Some of them have been just, just savage. I've never understood that part of internet culture. I really don't understand why someone would get their jollies, get their rocks off on being mean to someone knowing that a they're probably not going to see it they're not going to care if they do see it and if they do care and they do see it you're not going to get their reaction to it so you're just being mean for the sake of meanness i i don't get it i i genuinely don't get it i know that people do it all the time i've been on the internet for a long time i've gotten plenty of bad commentary if you're going to be a porn actor you need a thick skin because people are going to be very cruel to you for no other reason than apparently it makes them feel good. You need to be able to deal with that. And the human psyche is unfortunately wired in a way that negative inputs are weighted much more heavily than positive inputs. So you can have a video and a hundred people say, awesome, great job, I love this video, you really turned me on, this is the best thing ever. And one person can make a negative comment about it. And that comment is what sticks with you. That's just how we're wired up here. Because, you know, the hundred times you jump at a shadow that you thought was a tiger, and it's not a tiger, that doesn't hurt you. But the one time you don't notice the tiger, that's bad. 
so yeah, I understand how it works, but it is still tough to deal with. So we've had, you know, lots of laudatory comments, lots of, you know, this is the best thing I've ever seen. This is a great, you know, I never thought that a video would turn me on this much. We have amazing comments. And then occasionally, you know, one out of 50, someone's just really mean or really nasty or really cruel for no reason. And, you know, I take those down. I, I pull down negative comments, not ones that have any sort of positive bearing. You know, if someone's like, you know, I didn't like this video. Okay, I'll leave that comment up. If someone, you know, is mean to me or the models, I take it down. I'm not going to give them a platform on our video to be mean. I don't have to, and I'm not going to. So, yeah, I see it. I see every comment that we get. Um, some of them I respond to. Some of them I trash immediately. Some of them I report because they're bloody spam. We get a lot of spam. And then, yeah, the mean ones, I don't get it. You know, you're not going to affect me. You're not going to ruin my day with a bad comment. Um, and the models don't see them. The models don't see the negative comments. They get taken down almost immediately. I don't talk to them about them. I don't share them with them. I just pass along the positive stuff, you know? So if for some reason you're one of those people that leaves negative comments and you happen to be watching this, which I doubt, give it up. Stop. There's no point in it. So, on to some more positive comments. Reyesco1918 says, Amazing work, sir. Where can I get a bad dragon? Uh, Baddragon.com. That's really simple. They were cool enough that I reached out to them and I said, Hey, I'm interested in trying out some of your gear. You know, would you consider sending me a sample of some of your stuff? They did, which was super cool of them. You know, no strings attached, no questions asked. We... We used their stuff in some of our videos. We've used it recreationally. I enjoy their products. I think they're extremely well-made. You know, I, I've had criticism of them. You know, I think that some of their stuff could be designed better, and I made that very clear in my video. But as far as quality is concerned, it's really good stuff. You know, you're not going to regret buying from them. They, they make a quality product. They deliver quickly. And I really like their stuff. So, baddragon.com. They have all kinds of cool stuff. We have two videos out already that feature Bad Dragon things. There are two more, I think, that we've made, and we will continue to play with those toys just because they're fun. I get on those comments where we've used the Bad Dragon toys, you know, there'll be comments like, oh, you know, how miserable he must be to have to use a toy to pleasure his girlfriend. No, <laughs> that's not how it works. This is something that enhances what we do. It makes it more fun to play with new toys and new experiences. You know, we did just fine without it. We hardly use it every time. We use it maybe once a month just for something fun, for something new. And that's what I would expect anybody to do. If you're using it every time you have sex, then yeah, there might be something going on, but it just could be fun for you. But yeah, the notion that I had to go buy it to, I don't know, liven up things. No, we, we do just fine without it. It's just a toy. It's just fun. It's just like changing positions or role-playing or anything else you can do in sex to keep it interesting and lively. So don't, don't be so close-minded and don't be an idiot because we have 150 videos up. We have two Bad Dragon videos. So it's not exactly like we're dependent upon these toys to have fun. Anyway baddragon.com check them out i really appreciate that they sent us some stuff to try out Vladin 69 writes has anyone ever told you that you sound amazing and have you considered doing voiceover work yes and yes uh, every day almost every day someone if i'm in public someone will comment on it it's one of those conversations that is almost impossible to exit gracefully you know, what do they expect me to say? They'll say, oh, wow, you know, has anybody ever told you that you have a really deep voice? Well, yeah, I'm over 40. I've had this voice for a long time, and you're not the first person to notice. I appreciate it. I know that that comment was meant in a complimentary fashion. But yeah, I know. It's like asking a tall person, has anybody told you you're really tall? Yeah, a lot. Just a life tip. If something is really obvious about somebody, 
maybe don't make that your first point of conversation. You know, if someone's missing an arm, you probably don't need to tell them, hey, has anybody ever told you that you're missing an arm? Oh, wow. I, I just noticed. Thank you. So, yeah, I do know. I do. Um, I actually do do some voiceover stuff. Not as much as I would like. If anybody's hiring, let me know. I will happily jump on that opportunity. If you have a movie trailer that you need narrated, I can do that. If you have an audiobook you want read, I'm happy to do that as well. I'm doing this podcast, you know, honestly for recreation and for entertainment and education because we're not making any money off these podcast vlogs and it actually costs us money to host them, but I'm enjoying doing them. I'm enjoying the feedback I'm getting. And I like the fact that I'm, I am trying to help educate and contribute to our community. We've gotten a lot out of the BDSM community. We've enjoyed it. It's been a big part of our life and I'm happy to give back. And I hope that by teaching and by putting out good information, teaching about consent, teaching about healthy BDSM relationships, we can give back, you know, a small amount to what we've gotten so much from. But yeah, I, I hear it all the time. It's cool. I appreciate it. We got a lot of, I'm, I'm fine with witty comments. If you can make a funny comment or you can make a witty comment, do it, please. Because, you know, it's, it's nice to go to our page and have a lot of people say, great video, really hot. I really enjoyed this. That's cool. But if you can also make us laugh or say something funny, go for it. Just don't spam us with advertising. So Pappy Bros 542 says, the real question is she oh fucking K damn go easy on the Korean. All right. Yes, she is a oh fucking K. Um, she's fine. She enjoys this. This is something that even if she wasn't doing it for video, even if she wasn't benefiting from it financially, she seeks out. She likes this kind of sex. We have a really good chemistry, you know, Ruby and I. And we have a lot of recreational time as well as the video stuff that we do. So yeah, she's fine. Don't worry. And yeah, that was, that was funny. This was interesting. And again, all these comments are coming from Ruby's most recent featured video. A lot of people, well, first of all, first, the title is Corona Lockdown Won't Save This Korean Babe From a Relentless Pounding. Did I take advantage of the Corona trend? Yes, I did. Was this video filmed during the Corona lockdown? Yes, it was. So no false advertising, you know, business travels. Okay. I traveled up there for business and we made this video and it did happen during the Corona lockdown. So there's a keyword in this title. That keyword is Korean babe. I'm not going to false advertise what we're shooting. She's not Japanese. She's not Chinese. She's not Vietnamese or Filipina. She's Korean. She knows she's Korean. There's no doubt that she's Korean. There is a lot of doubt amongst our viewers that she's actually Korean. And I am flummoxed by that. Um, I don't understand it. I don't know why people would think that I'm trying to pass her off as something she's not. If I was going to pass her off as something, it would be Japanese because if you follow porn trends, you know that Japanese is one of the most sought after porn searches. If I could pass Ruby off as Japanese, I would, but she's not Japanese, she's Korean. And I can see the difference. A lot of people can see the difference. A lot of Korean people, a lot of Asian people will definitely see the difference. Um, no, she's, she's Korean. We're, we're sure of that. There's no doubt. And there's a lot of, lot of comments saying, as BIOS 1010 says, I think that she is not Korean, actually. Uh, no, she is. Promise you. Um, we've gotten a lot, of, a lot of traction on this video overseas. And so we frequently get comments in Chinese and Korean and Vietnamese, Japanese. Whew. There is still some beef. It turns out that there's still some beef between China and Korea, between Korea and Japan. Um, go easy, guys. Don't 
there's been some really negative, really caustic commentary coming from that part of the world. So if you all are watching this, which I doubt, uh, back off, take it, take it easy. We don't need that kind of like literal hate speech in our comments. Um, I think that Pornhub, for example, on the English side of things, if you type in any kind of hate speech, it automatically like asterisks it for you. It like blanks out that word. But I don't think that it's set up to do that in Chinese, for example. So when I run the Chinese comments through the translator, some of the stuff that comes out on the other side is pretty shocking. Um, wow. And finally, and this is actually, I hope you've stuck around this long because this is the question I wanted to get to as kind of the theme of this video. And this will be a little long this week. I got a message um, from Twitter. Reach out to me through Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Pornhub, email, whatever you're comfortable with. If you look on our profile page, all of our contact info is there. So this is a, a fan of ours who reached out via Twitter. I answered the question specifically to her. And then I asked her if I could use this question as part of this week's uh, talk. Um, I'm not going to post her question or her avatar because this is 2020. And if a woman says anything remotely sexual on Twitter, it's like this avalanche of dick pics and come ons and stuff that she does not need. So you'll just have to take my word for it. That this is a real question. I can tell you that uh, her nickname's Bunny, not my bunny, but a different bunny. Here's her question. My boyfriend and I do subdom kinky stuff sometimes, primarily tying up and some toys. I have an interest in choking, but I'm afraid of trying it with him because although I know he would do it, he has an incredible grip strength because of his job. He has bruised my thigh by just casually squishing it before. So I'm worried about what would happen in the choking scenario. Is there any advice you could give on how to approach this aspect of sex? Sorry for the big ramble, but I really do love the work you guys do and the care you take of each other and for making your fans more aware. What a great question. Now, I want to make a very clear point. I am a guy that makes porn videos online. That is my only qualification. Some of the stuff that we do is dangerous. No questions asked. It's dangerous, right? If you watch Tony Hawk, he can tell you how to catch crazy air off a half pipe ramp, but that doesn't mean you're not going to get hurt doing it, right? So you are responsible for anything that you do to yourself or to each other in a sex situation. Just because you see it on camera, just because you get advice from it from me, just because, you know, whatever, you still have to be responsible for this stuff. You know, I don't want to see, oh, I saw, you know, on Pornhub, therefore we can do it. No, it's, that's not how it works. We do do things on camera that are dangerous. There's just no, there's no way around it. Choking is dangerous. And... I'm not going to be so naive as to say you should never choke your partner during sex because no, you can, it's fine. Do you have to be careful? Yes. Is it dangerous? Yes. Is it something that someone could die from? Yes, they do. You read about erotic asphyxiation and autoerotic asphyxiation quite frequently. Some people have found that they get off on having their airway or their circulation constricted in a sexual way, in a, in a sexual context. So sometimes they'll do it to themselves. That's the autoerotic asphyxiation part. You know, people will tie a noose around themselves and they'll hang it on a door and then they'll use their body weight to create that sensation of choking and that gets them off. That's fine. I'm not... I'm not in any way kink-shaming anybody or saying that that's bad or anything like that. Whatever floats your boat, floats your boat. I'm not worried about that. What I am worried about is trying to get at least a little bit of safe sex education out there. So I'm not going to say abstinence only. I'm not going to say don't ever choke your partner because it's dangerous. Because people are going to do it. 
right? They're, you all are going to try this at home. So I at least want to give you as much information as I can with, once again, the caveat, this is dangerous. You could get hurt or someone that you care about could get hurt. And I'm not going to be responsible for that. This is on you. This is dangerous stuff. So having said all that, um, a couple things about choking one, and I don't understand the, the reason behind this, but for some reason, the neck doesn't bruise as easily as say the thigh. I don't know if it's because of the vascularization or the way the tissues are made. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I can tell you that I do have partners that bruise very easily. Like if I squeeze their thigh, they'll get thumbprints, but it's very rare that they'll get bruises on their neck. Does that mean that they can't get bruises? No, you can absolutely leave bruises on somebody's neck. So if that would be a bad thing, you know, say they have a work where they face the public, you know, they're a bank teller and they can't be showing up with bruises on their neck. You need to take account of that. If you are either the person being choked or the person choking your partner, be responsible. Don't give them marks in a place that they have to then hide. That's just common sense. That's like, don't give someone a hickey on their cheek or, you know, up high above the collar, below the sleeve, wherever it can be visible. If that is something they can't do, right? If, if they work in a tattoo parlor or a piercing shop and it's totally cool for them to have neck bruises, no big deal. If they work at a daycare center and the parents would be very upset if they had neck bruises, then be aware of that. I'm just saying that I've never actually bruised somebody's neck. Um, and I've squeezed necks pretty hard, so I don't know if it's just the way the tissues are created or what, but necks don't bruise as easily. That said, start slow, start gentle, and then move up like everything we do. Don't just throttle somebody the first time you try choking, go light and, and communicate. So that's the second part here. So the first thing I told her is that, you know, necks don't bruise as easily as thighs. So, you know, go slow, but you'll probably be okay. Number two is the communication part, right? If you don't feel comfortable communicating this to your partner, do not do it. Simple as that. I, I can't make it more simple. If you would be uncomfortable talking to your partner about this, then you do not have the trust relationship with your partner necessary to do choking. Done and done. You should be able to have an easy, direct conversation where you say, hey, I would like to try this. And they may say, I don't want to do that. And if that's their response, you, you don't force them, don't make them, don't guilt them, don't pressure them. And that goes both ways, whether you're the choker or the choke E. If you want to choke your partner because you find that arousing and exhilarating, that's fine. You got to make sure they're okay with it because if they're not, or that's a trigger for them, or that's something that they're afraid of, or that's something they don't want to do, don't do it. And on the other side, if you want your partner to choke you, but they don't want to, they don't feel comfortable doing it. Don't pressure them you know, common sense people, but people frequently won't even have the conversation. They don't want to have the conversation because they're like, Oh, what if I tell my partner this and they think I'm some kind of weirdo, man, you're, you're living a lie. I don't have a lot of tolerance for that in any kind of real relationship. If you're in a relationship with somebody, they need to be informed about who you are and what you like and what you don't like. And if you think choking is sexy, you should be able to tell your partner about that. If you can't, you, you may not be in a very healthy relationship. Um, so yeah, with her, I would say, you know, and the same thing I told her, talk to him, say, Hey, I'm interested in this. I would like you to choke me. I'm worried about, you know, damage. I'm worried about bruising. I'm worried about you being too strong and say, I want you to start lightly and communicate again. My, my other disclaimer, this is dangerous stuff, but I'm not just going to say, don't do it because people are going to do it. When you're constricting someone's throat, you don't do it front to back. You don't squeeze the windpipe. 
right? You don't put pressure directly backwards on their throat. That's bad. You're not going to be able to cut their airway off that way. And it's very dangerous, right? You, you can collapse the windpipe, but then it can then swell and cause asphyxiation later on. So don't do that. Be very careful about constricting the windpipe. What you're doing is a control thing. You're, you're putting your hand on someone's throat, which is a very controlling move. And you're applying pressure from the sides. Okay. You're applying pressure this direction, not this direction. When you apply pressure this way, you're constricting the arteries that run up to the brain. Okay. And I'm not saying you collapse them. I'm not saying you knock somebody out that way, though. That's how a sleeper hold works. The sleeper, you had that elbow crease, the crease of the elbow protects the windpipe, the sides, the bicep and the forearm press on the arteries and they cut off the blood supply to the brain. The person goes out. That's a, that's a real wrestling thing. That's a real martial arts thing. I, I've done that in martial arts. I've done that in play. You need to be very careful about that because they may not wake up. You need to, you need to understand that anytime you put somebody in that kind of a chokehold and you constrict their airway or you constrict their vasculature, they may not wake up. So you need to be prepared for that. If you're not prepared for that, you have no business putting someone in a chokehold or squeezing their neck until they pass out. Seriously, don't, don't play around with this stuff. If you don't understand the anatomy, if you don't understand the consequences, if you don't understand the, what do I do if I choke this person and they stop breathing? If you don't know what the next step is, don't start. So yeah, sideways pressure. It's about control. It's about making the person that is being choked feel controlled, not necessarily knocking them out, not making it so they can't breathe. If you want to do breath play, that's a whole different thing. And there's a lot of ways to do breath play. Very simple ways to cover their mouth and nose, right? That's safer than constricting their airway. Because again, you can collapse the windpipe and sometimes there's then a follow on um, inflammatory re response where it swells and cuts off their circulation and their breathing. And that's bad. That's called homicide. So don't do that. So if you want to play breath style, if you want to do breath play, covering, using a bag, things like that. I'm not going to talk about that this episode. That's another episode. This is more choking stuff. And when people talk about choking, what they're talking about is that sideways pressure, you know, that really controlling strong hand on the neck that can be very erotic for both the person choking and the person being choked. But the pressure does not go to the windpipe. It goes to the sides of the neck. It's dangerous. Be careful. You can really hurt somebody, but communication. Okay. Don't start out hard. Don't do it without asking. Talk to your partner. Tell them what's going on, how you feel. You know, make it clear that you have some kind of communication. So if you want more, they can give you more. If you want less, they can give you less. And just like anything else we do, it can be tons of fun. It can be exciting. It can be exhilarating. It's also really dangerous. So be careful. All right. So that completes our mailbag. That completes the... The point I wanted to make this week, which is, you know, erotic choking, I might get into the breath play aspect of that later. Um, but I think if you, if you go online, you'll see I'm not the only sex based advice guy out there. There's a lot of people out there. Some of them are more credible than others. You know, don't take my word for it. Read up yourself. But I think you'll find that no one is saying that airway constriction is a good thing. You have to be very careful with that. Don't squeeze someone's windpipe, squeeze the sides of their neck. It's very strong. It's much more durable. It's much more what people are wanting out of being choked. So be careful of the windpipe. I will see you guys next week. We have some new videos coming up soon. As always, uh, subscribe to our channel, send me questions and comments and, uh, stay safe. Cheers.